Hi everyone, I'm Jason Scorse and welcome to another episode of Dispatch from the Zombie Apocalypse. I hope everybody is doing great. So the title for this episode is The First Progressive President in U.S. History. And that is a big claim. And the person who I am nominating for that distinguished title is none other than Joe Biden, which I think will be a surprise to many. And it's a big surprise to me. But now that the Biden administration has its first big win in the books, the $1.9 trillion COVID relief bill, uh, I want to make the case that Biden is the first progressive president in U.S. history. Now, I, I know this is going to be a controversial you know, point, uh, but I intend to back it up and make a strong case. And of course, you will be the judge. So first... I want to state up front emphatically that I was almost entirely wrong about Joe Biden. I've always liked him, but during the primaries, I thought he was the absolute worst of all the choices. I was convinced, I mean, I was telling everyone I could, you know, get their ear that he would get crushed in the general election. Now, one caveat I'll make in my defense is that we'll never know how the election would have turned out if COVID hadn't hit, right? COVID upended a ton of stuff. And it's even possible, sadly, that Trump would have beaten even Joe Biden if there was a strong economy and no pandemic. And that, uh, you know, that would have been the natural order of things, even with uh, Joe Biden, who was a very strong candidate. But putting that aside, because again, we don't have the counterfactual there. We only have what you know, the history that actually has happened and is going on as we speak. Not only was I wrong about Joe Biden, but I was deadly wrong, right? I think looking back, even with the pandemic, it's likely that Biden was the only candidate that could have beaten Trump. Now, that's a shocking, shocking statement to make, given the incredibly qualified candidates that we have. But the reality is that America is a deeply, deeply racist and sexist country, and the other candidates were either mostly women or, um, you know, or people of color. You know, Pete Buttigieg might have been the one who could have broken out of that and beaten Trump. You know, young, fresh-faced, super charismatic, super centered, but again, we'll never know. But my preferred candidate the one that I voted for in the primaries, was Elizabeth Warren. And I think if she had won the primaries, as I had hoped, I think we'd be right now in the middle of a fascist state with a second Trump term. And that's even with the pandemic and hundreds of thousands dead. So my error almost cost us big time. So I just think it's incredibly important for me to just get that out of the way here, that I made a big error. I paid attention to politics closely for over two decades, and I've been right about the big things most of the time, but this was a big era of mine. Now, 
just as a side note also here, people say, well, you know, Obama won, right? He won before Trump. He was a black man, and he even had a name that would scare many Americans, especially the racist ones, you know, um, Barack Hussein Obama. But remember, he was able to break out of the mode of old white men because he has incredible charisma, and the U.S. was in dire straits under George Bush, right? I mean, it was two failed wars, economic collapse, so it was almost, you know, it was almost the pandemic plus in certain ways, although obviously way more dead under the pandemic. But again, I think Obama's case is more an anomaly than is showing that America is not racist, because again, the backlash against Obama led to much, much more increased racism in the years that, um, have, um, you know, that have followed. But luckily, coming back to black Americans for a moment, luckily, black people who know deeply how insanely racist America is were smart enough to choose Biden and present, prevent the destruction of the republic. So I want to say this again loud and clear. Black people are the only reason the U.S. isn't a straight-out fascist hellhole. They save white people from themselves over and over again. And let's just be clear. If we took black people out of the equation, Trump would have won with 60% of the vote nearly. Every progressive uh, president that we've ever had, the majority of white people have voted against them um, in, you know, in the second half of the 20th century onward. Right, The majority of white people in America are fascist, racist and theocratic or some combination thereof and i want to be clear here i'm not saying these are people who on the street are going to be waving nazi flags but i mean that and that's what they support when push comes to shove and they have to pull the lever to vote they vote for fascists racists and theocrats and they do it over and over again and after a while if you that's what you support then that's your values. And so the majority of whites are being saved because overwhelming numbers of blacks at the 90% level will come in and provide the margin of victory for someone like Joe Biden. So now, moving on to Biden here. He won, and he won in a pretty big way. Although, of course, again, tens of thousands of votes in a few key states. And even though he won by 7 million votes in the popular vote, we could have a legitimate Trump second term, again, because of the white supremacist electoral college. But not only did he win big, but he has three characteristics that make him perfect for this moment, all of which I also underappreciated. So the first is the no drama component, right? He's not tweeting. He's not drawing attention to himself. He's just getting the job done. And after four years of a white supremacist right-wing performance art circus that exhausted the nation, this is exactly what the doctor ordered. Second, Republicans try to paint all Democrats as communists who are going to take their kids away and turn them transgender, right? This is what Republicans do. They, they tried the same playbook that they would have used against Cory Booker or Elizabeth Warren or Bernie on Joe Biden. But Joe is impervious to this. He's been around so long that no one believes that he is some radical, right? Nothing the Republicans throw at him sticks. That's a superpower in today's America, 
right? To have a Democratic candidate that is impervious to right-wing attacks is an amazingly powerful weapon, and Joe has it. Um, and again, I underappreciated that. Third and final is how malleable Joe has become in the best possible way. And I want to just really hone in on this, right? A lot of people think politicians who change their mind are somehow squishy and flip-floppers. This is exactly the opposite of reality on the progressive side, right? We want people who become more progressive as society becomes more progressive. Joe Biden was not a progressive. You know, in his career, he did a lot of pretty reactionary and regressive stuff on criminal justice, on women's issues. You know, he again, he was not the worst of the Democrats, but he was by no means a progressive. But he has clearly done his homework and paid close attention to the mood of the country, the mood of the party, and the mistakes that he and Obama made during those two terms. And he has morphed into the first truly progressive president in the nation's history. And so again, progressives, take yes for an answer. Biden was not your guy back then, but he is now. So now obviously this is a big claim that Joe is the Mac Daddy, the progressive champion. Um, so let me unpack it after the break. I got more Mac than Craig and in the bed. Believe me, sweetie, I got enough to feed the needy. No need to be greedy. I got mad friends with Benzes. See notes by the layers. True fucking players. Jump in the Rover and come over. Tell your friends, jump in the GF3. I got the chronic by the truth. Throw your hands in the air if you's a true player. I love it when you call me big pop. Till the honeys getting money playing niggas like dummies. Uh. I love it when you call me big pop. You got a gun up in your waist, please don't shoot up the place. Wow. Cause I see some ladies tonight that should be having my baby. Uh, baby. Okay, so now let me make the affirmative case that Joe Biden is the first progressive president in U.S. history. Let me first state why I think the others who are often considered progressive champions don't fully meet the bar. And the two key presidents here are FDR and LBJ. Now, if you look at the scope of the New Deal under Franklin Delano Roosevelt, and you look of the reforms and policy made under Lyndon Johnson, it's hard not to make the case that they were progressive presidents. With FDR, we have massive public works projects, the creation of Social Security, and a slew of progressive labor laws. However, these were limited mostly to white workers as the racist Southern Dixiecrats prevented FDR from extending most of these benefits to black people. This was not FDR's fault, but anything that reinforces white supremacy cannot be fully counted as a progressive victory. So I want to be clear here. FDR in his heart was a progressive, but the actual outputs that he produced really helped enshrine a lot of the inequalities between black and white Americans that you know progressives now are having to grapple with. Again, not his fault, but we can't count that as a true progressive victory if it you know excluded black Americans, even the ones who fought in World War II um, for you know the Allied forces. Now with LBJ, we got Medicare, the War on Poverty, and also the Voting Rights Act and the Civil Rights Act. These are huge, huge progressive victories. And unlike the case of FDR, 
they actually, you know, really did extend uh, rights for black people in very significant ways. However, it's hard to make the case that Johnson is the first truly progressive president because he was deeply racist himself, right? He was a Texas senator before becoming president, and there's plenty of tapes of him just railing on about, you know, the inferiority of black people and just saying some really outlandish racist stuff. So he did great things. His output uh, legislatively for black people was truly progressive, but it's hard to consider somebody who had progressive victories a true progressive when he was deeply racist at a personal level. So again, you might consider some of this nitpicking, you know, um, you know, to not consider FDR and LBJ truly progressive presidents, but that's that's my, you know, that's my my case right there. And so now let's talk about Biden. First of all, Biden is clearly not racist in the slightest. He served as Obama's vice president. He now has Kamala Harris as his own. And he is clearly, you know, does not have a racist bone in his body. More than that, he is the first president in U.S. history to openly express the need to defeat white supremacy and to end systemic racism. Now, that's only rhetoric, and it's only a couple months into the administration, but that has literally never been said before by a U.S. president. So that is huge. On policy, Biden is putting forth large progressive agenda, but really every dimension of government and policy. So let's start with the COVID relief bill. First, its size, $1.9 trillion, shows that he isn't being cowed by the right wing or even the moderates in, in his own party. Remember, 10 Republican senators came to him with an offer for a third of that, a little over $600 billion. He politely listened to them, said, no, not happening, next. And boom, $1.9 trillion for the American people. He put in some really key progressive priorities in this. We have a huge extension of the child tax credit that will be paid monthly or quarterly so people don't have to wait till the end of the year to get it. It's $300 a month per kid. So this is many thousands of dollars into the hands of working families. And the, the estimate is this, this can cut child poverty in half in the United States with a single you know stroke of the pen. That is a huge deal, a huge progressive victory. He also increased the subsidies for Obamacare as promised. He's providing generous unemployment insurance through September, which is when the pandemic should really be under control because of the increased vaccinations, which he's also a champion. So I think this is just an incredibly strong progressive victory. It's going to get the economy in a good shape as we get out of this pandemic. Now, of course, there are some things that didn't get in the bill. Uh, Many progressives are very upset that the minimum wage fell short. But a couple things on this. There was nothing Biden could do about this. Once the parliamentarian ruled that the minimum wage couldn't be in the reconciliation bill, you needed all 50 senators to vote to put it to overrule. And there were eight who didn't want to do that. You know, Biden is not a magician. And given that he wanted to get this bill done before March 14th, when the unemployment benefits ran out, he did the right thing. 
He also promised to take another shot at this. And to be honest, I do not think the minimum wage issue is dead. I think they're going to have other opportunities and they're going to come back. You know, ultimately, whether they get it done or not is how he will be judged. Um, But it's not over yet. On another front, uh, Biden put out an immigration bill, which is incredibly progressive and calls for putting all 11 plus million undocumented on a path to full U.S. citizenship. Now, again, this is going to be a tough fight legislatively. The Republicans are going to do everything they can to block it. But he's come out of the gate swinging. This is not a centrist, milk-a-toast immigration bill. This is a very ambitious, progressive one. And virtually all immigrant rights groups are really thrilled with the stance that he's taken. His climate policies are the most ambitious of any administration in U.S. history. Now, that's not you know, a huge victory in the sense that it's a low bar, but they're way, way more ambitious than anything Obama did. And in fact, I'm going to devote a whole episode um, to his climate policies coming up. The infrastructure bill that he's working on is likely to be another huge bill. They're looking at an order of two to four trillion dollars, which a lot of it, since it's going to be focused on climate change, really is going to be at the scale of the Green New Deal. Right, which was laughed at by virtually everyone only two years ago, and so again, notice the political um, strategy here. You know, Biden says he's against the Green New Deal; he has his own climate plan, but he's putting together something that's at the scale of the Green New Deal, but won't be called that. So, won't you know? Will rob the the Republicans of another cheap shot that they can take at the Democrats on LGBTQ issues? He's going all out. He nominated the first transgender secretary of health. He's pushing for full transgender and LGBT rights in all federal programs. On diversity, his cabinet is by far the most diverse in U.S. history, with the first Native American woman uh, for the Department of Interior and the first openly gay um, member of the, you know, of the, the, at a high level of the cabinet with Mayor Pete at the Department of Transportation. And then on Sunday, February 28th, Biden made perhaps the most pro-union speech by a president since FDR. It's being hailed as a major turning point for the Democratic Party. He was, the speech was in support of the workers in Alabama who were about to vote for a unionization in Amazon. Um, And he came out with just the most strong pro-union message. Again, we've heard from a U.S. president in at least you know, three quarters of a century. So look, we're obviously only two months into the administration. We don't know how much of Biden's agenda will become law, nor how hard he's going to fight for each and every component. But overall, both his vision and his cabinet represents for the first truly progressive administration in U.S. history, kind of by and large. Way, way more than Obama on virtually every dimension. So obviously, Much of this is based on the changing dynamics in the country and not due to any deep ideological commitment on Biden's part. But that's the point. He read the historical moment and he stepped up. And herein lies his genius, right? By fully embracing this progressive shift in the party and the country and becoming a champion for it, he has really set himself up to be a great leader with a place in the history books. So I am super, super happy about this, and I am super happy that I was so wrong about him. So after the break, 
Uh, I'll talk about where we go from here. today. So it only took 20 years of war crimes and lies, trillions of dollars wasted down a rat hole, millions of people killed, torture, kids in cages, white supremacy, stealing Supreme Court nominations, corruption and kleptocracy at third world levels throughout the U.S. government, and then finally a violent insurrection that ransacked the Capitol and left multiple people dead with people waving Nazi flags and the Confederate flag in the halls of power. But finally, Democrats are now unapologetically progressive. I don't think there's any going back. If Biden is a progressive champion, this is the new baseline. I wish at the bottom of my heart that it hadn't taken all this chaos and destruction of 20 years of Republican rule to get us to this point. But that's what transpired. So with a new, confident, progressive Democratic Party, the future of America looks a lot brighter if, and it's a big if, we can protect our democracy. And of course, Republicans, being the evil fascist cult that they are, are working overtime to suppress voting rights and lock in minority rule, and white supremacy. So this is the challenge for Democrats. We need to pass a strong John Lewis Voting Rights Act that protects and expands the franchise across the United States. This is perhaps the single most important piece of legislation that we must pass, and it will also be the hardest since Republicans will likely do everything in their power to stop it. So the antidote for today is to make a commitment to call your representatives when the time comes to stand up for voting rights, to understand that this is the only thing standing between us and a descent into fascism. Because although we defeated Trump, we have not defeated the fascist Republican Party permanently. Now, this is going to likely require filibuster reform, and I'll have more on this soon. But just to show you that I walk the walk here, after Senator Manchin of West Virginia opened the door for reforming the filibuster regarding voting rights. He said that we might need to pass voting rights on a strict party basis because it's so important. I called all of his offices in D.C. and West Virginia to thank him because this is what we're going to need to do. We're going to need the Democratic Party united to pass democracy reform in order to prevent fascism from rearing its ugly head in 22, 2024, and beyond. So I'm going to do my best to keep you posted on this score as it becomes key um, in, in the legislative sessions ahead. 
So with that, everybody, I hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you are, please share it with family, friends, and colleagues. Rate it. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. And with that, everybody, I hope you have a great rest of the week. Take care. Thank you.